So, uh, I, when I was younger, I, I've told y'all before, I tried to preach one other time, and uh, but I had it in my head back then that there was this like special calling that you'd get that like I, I don't know if y'all have ever seen Sergeant York. If you haven't watched that movie, it's a really good one. But uh, like there was this thing that was gonna just bam and happen to you, and that that you would uh, it, it would just be there and. Uh, and so it, during that time in my life, I, I had this pendulum that went like from good to evil and stuff. And uh, like it, it was very dramatic. But one thing I've learned is is that we're all going to sin. We're all going to be this imperfect people. But uh, like and, and I have this thing that I can do that is if I'm reading something, I can just shut off everything I've ever learned in the past and just take it for something new. And that's not always good. Sometimes it's. It's bad because I'm questioning the way things really should be, but other times it's helpful. So uh, anyway, I, I read, I understand the Bible that that like most of the people in the most of the men in the congregation that are really trying to be Christians should should be standing up here at some point or another. That's the way I understand it, and you might disagree with that. I don't know, but that's the way. But I, I called uh, my friend, uh, or I was texting back and forth with my friend Jimmy, and uh, he's been preaching for a few years, and he said, he said, don't worry about it. If God can talk through a donkey, he can figure out how to talk through TJ. <laughs> so uh, that, that's, that's the way I'm going to, uh, that's the way I'm going to approach it today. So uh, it, we're, we've been going through the Bible kind of chronologically, and uh, so the topic I mean, all I had to really pray on was what I was going to say. The topic was kind of there for me. We're going to second half of Exodus. And Jeff told me to start in uh, in 19, but I'm going to start in 18 because that's what I want to do. Uh, Moses had this group of people, and I, I can't figure out the exact number of people, but it wasn't like a church group. It was somewhere i mean i've looked at different things but it was somewhere between 600,000 and 3 million people i don't know the amount of people but there was a country walking through so let's say the city of atlanta is walking through this this area just kind of wandering around and uh so moses it the the start of this is where uh where moses was trying to be too controlled and he tried to do everything himself and this is kind of like uh it's, it's really good advice, but it's like all these, I've read a bunch of business books because I used to do management stuff, but uh, this is, this has been, this little verse has been more beneficial than a ton of those books, but I'm going to start reading in 18, 17 to 23, and it said, uh, Moses' father-in-law, which is Jethro, uh, said to him, the thing that you're doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and to make known them the way in which they are to walk and the work what they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, tens, let them judge the people at all times. And let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you and every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you when they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all these people will go 
to their place in peace. And like me, I've never managed more than like 200 people, but I don't think it would be any different managing 10 people as it would 10,000 people. I really don't see the difference in that if you separate the structure up right. And that's what God, Moses had, had to learn from God because he just, he couldn't figure out on his own. And that's a lot of what today's going to be is just people think that they've got it worked out, but we need God to help show us through. And we, we can't do it all alone. And I know he got this advice from Jethro, but uh, God's going to help him uh, a little bit longer. So they were walking, and they got to Sinai when they finally stopped. And there was this big cloud and lightning that came down over Sinai, and Moses, God came down to Moses, and he went back and forth a few times, but uh, uh, the, the people could hear God talking to Moses. And uh, I'm going to come back to that later, but that's just something to remember during this whole time that, uh, that God's given him commandments, he's given him ordinances, he's telling them how to dress and how to decorate the temple and how to build furniture and all that stuff. And, uh, but they could hear this. And so... Uh, I, I guess, I mean, it's hard to do this part of Exodus without talking about the Ten Commandments. So uh, I'm going to go through those. It's not going to be the main part of the sermon, but it's going to be it's, it's going a little bit. So uh, the first one is no other gods before me. And, uh, you know, we try, uh, like in my mind, when I, I, I used to picture these, like, in, we, we'll get to graven images next, but I used to picture these, these made-up things that people would take and say, oh, I, I like this microphone, I'm going to worship the microphone kind of thing. But uh, I wonder, like, in my mind, I wonder, you, you hear these evil spirits in the New Testament, and they're always fighting against these. And I wonder if people during these times, and this is not like exactly Bible says this, but I wonder if people in these times were seeing these evil spirits and making gods out of them. And that's just where my mind floats. Like, we've got this. And, and even our current culture where we're, uh, we're focused on our achievements or our whatevers, the, uh, these evil spirits are floating around us. And this, this may not be what God's talking about, but I, it's, it's hard for me to figure out what these are without thinking that it's probably these evil spirits that they were fighting against a lot in the New Testament. So, uh, and I'm happy if you want to talk about that later, but that was just something that came to my mind. And so it says no graven image or likeness. And I, uh, I try to think nothing we can make with our hands can compare to God. So we, I can be the most skillful craftsman like uh, uh, Bezalel we're talk, we'll talk about later. I can be the most skillful craftsman. I can do whatever, but whatever beautiful thing I make with my hands is not going to compare to God. And it's not something to be worshipped. And it's almost, it's not exactly the same. And I, uh, it's almost like where it talks about worshipping the creator and not the created. I mean, the created, not the creator. I'll get it right in a minute. Uh, the next one is not to take the name, God's name in vain. And you, you always hear people say, not to say GD in this. And that's almost more like telling God to judge somebody than it is. Necess I mean, it is in vain, but... It's it, or, or oh my God or something like that like saying those things but anything we do that where we're uh, talking about or representing God if we talk about God for no reason other than just to talk about God that's using it in vain and like uh, I, I didn't go to the conference with Jason but I had the same thing that uh, like our life is 
representative of that. I remember there was there was these bracelets everybody would wear when we were teenagers at WWJD or something like that. But how many? I mean, I know I wore those for a little bit and did some things that weren't Christian like. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I did plenty of stuff that wasn't Christian and with things that represented Christ around me. Um, the Sabbath day, God talked about this day of rest, and this is the only thing, this is a weird one, this is the only one that Jesus didn't mention. And, uh, you know, for some reason, it was decided that we'd start meeting uh, like the, like the uh, first Christians did on the first day of the week. So we've had Sunday church since the beginning. And, uh, but why we don't do the Sabbath, the only reason I can think of that, that, we, that people in our culture don't do the Sabbath is Jesus didn't say it, so it didn't come in the new, new covenant. And maybe in Romans 14 where it talks about there's no day that's more important than another. Uh, but uh, for some reason, I don't know, our cultures, the Christian culture just stopped doing Sabbaths. And we, people will call Sunday Sabbaths, but it's, you know, it's, the, it's really the day that they met at and broke the bread. So I don't have an answer to that one. I know you're supposed to stand up here and preach and have all the answers, but I don't. Um, honor your father and mother. And I think that's like talking about the basis of authority. We have these people who brought us into this world, and no matter how good, bad, perfect, flawed, whatever they are, that's our basis for authority. So we have to show some kind of honor towards just generally be so uh yes i'm talking to the teenagers over there <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> but uh, i saw them looking around um but yeah that's i mean that's our basis of being is we have this authority so if we can't respect or we can't honor respect's probably the wrong word if we can't honor our parents how can we honor god um it, it talks about not killing and uh if you read Jesus's sermon in Matthew, it talks, it goes into tons more details than that. And uh, some of the versions say murder. I, I don't know uh, what version you guys read, but some of them say kill, some of them say murder. I don't know the, the difference. I'm not going to try to get into the nuances of that, but I mean, Jesus took it a lot further. It's, there's, we're not supposed to hate, and that's, it, it's a lot, lot more difficult than, uh, than these basic start out of the laws uh not to commit adultery that's another one that jesus took a took and ran with i mean it says not to commit adultery but uh jesus took it and said don't uh look at people don't touch don't use your hands or whatever it's in uh the, the next one is don't steal uh that's a uh that's pretty self-explanatory i mean uh, yeah it's, it's self-explanatory not to bear false witness, we, that one, same thing. We, we don't tell things that are not real. We don't try to uh, get in this group of people and convince everybody something that's wrong. We don't support somebody that's, that's telling wrong. Um, <clears throat> not to covet. Uh, uh, Y'all know I can be a smart, smart mouth sometimes. And I'm going to make it 30 minutes without saying something ugly, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know I can be a smart mouth sometimes if you know me. And uh, so I remember somebody, uh, I was around somebody, and they were bragging about their new truck, and, uh, and, and they just wouldn't quit, and I'm, I just couldn't hold it in any longer. 
And I just said that, well, if I had a truck like that, I'd have to get a loan for it. And just not being nice, but, but like, that's, that's the way it is. We see people with all this stuff and we see people and we want what they have. And, uh, it's just, it's easy to get in that mindset. We would, uh, it's like the American dream. We're taught to just chase after all this stuff. And we see this person has this stuff, so let me go grab this stuff. Let me go get it. And uh, so, that, I mean, that was the first thing. I, I call, That's kind of like the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. And then God really gets in the details. And I'm not going to talk about the whole, all the ordinances and laws, but there was a couple I wanted to, to talk about. But uh, Jeff, uh, he sent me some of his notes, and I stole about three things from him. Uh, just because I like to do things, huh? I know, but uh, he said that this he had in uh, which I like to do things on like the way I, I prayed over it and did it the way I felt it needed to be done the way I thought God was showing me. But uh, he had in there that it was a simpler time, but I'm not so sure that the times were more simple as when God put it together. It was more simple. I mean, it's not complicated how we deal with people, and we like to complicate it. But God makes it a lot simpler. And, I mean, and I know there's several chapters on this, but, like, the, the, there were two of them that I, that I thought were, were, would be neat to talk about. And uh, one is accepting a stranger. And it says, uh, it says to, uh, and I'm not going to open to the verse, but it pretty much says to be good to strangers because you were once strangers. And that's not the exact word, but that's close enough. And uh, we can look at it as, strangers like within different american areas so we're i mean we're in the, in the south of the united states and i've not been too much out of the united states i've been all over the u.s but uh like in the south we have this culture of honor where i respect you and you respect me and we don't do things to cross that line but like what if somebody from new york comes in with their aggressive talk or boston or something and and they don't have that culture of honor they're just chit-chatting away and it's just and it's very offensive here so we're to accept that and then you know, like out west where they, they're, they're it's, it's like this, it seems passive here. Like it seems like they just don't want to do anything, but it's just different than we are. So uh, so it, the, the culture out west, like in California, is, oh, let's, we might get around to do this today. And that used to drive me nuts, by the way. But it, it, it it's not wrong, it's just different than we are. The Midwest where they get really quick to the point. Like, what, what are we talking about? Why are we having all these words? And... Uh, so that's what my mind goes to when I thought about strangers. But now, but think about like people from like completely different cultures. Like all these cultures are very similar. Like anywhere you go in the U.S., it's not much different. Or Mexico, I've not been to Mexico a lot, but it's not a, the culture, the way people act is not a whole lot different. But then you go to, uh, you, you, you get like these refugees coming over and everybody's just like, they're just going to do all this and this and this. And do we treat people who are completely different than us that come into where we are? How do we treat strangers? And that's just, I thought that might help somebody to think on things. And uh, the other one I thought would be neat to talk about is borrowing. And uh, I, I remember there was this complicated structure of how, when you borrowed a tractor when I was a kid. And I was, I think I was around Eli's age when I read it here and realized it was, it was based on Exodus. So if I borrow your tractor and I break it, I have to fix it. So I try not to borrow anybody's tractor because they might be a little shady and have something that needs fixing and let me borrow their tractor. <laughs> and, 
and uh, so I try not to do it. So if you if you ask somebody to come help you and they're driving their own tractor and it breaks, it's not such a big deal. They can fix their own tractor. Or if you rent it from them and it breaks, you've you've already paid them for that it might break. So you uh, you can you can do that. So that that was the way God talked about like with somebody's ox. If you borrow livestock or something like that. Um, and then, so, so God goes, he does the Bill of Rights, now he did the Constitution, and then he gets into this big spec book of how to build a, a temple. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a construction te- te- uh, spec book, but they're about this thick and they're about that, that big, tiny words, and if, if you've never seen one, it's awful to go through, but if you've seen them, it's pretty, it gets pretty simpler as they go along. But he had this guy named Bezalel, and he was son of Uri, son of Hur, and he's of the tribe of Judah. And uh, he was he could do anything. He could do structural work. He could do waterproofing. He could do a metal gilding. He could do all kind of metal work and uh, just a generally talented dude. And he'd be uh, he had, he could he. He was a little bit deficient in the artsy stuff, so he had a guy help him. I didn't write his name down, help him with the linens and stuff, but he could do a little bit of, of cloth work. So I don't know if you know anybody like that that's just generally handy, anything they touch. I imagine this day and age they'd probably do some plumbing or electrical work or something like that But uh, in, in this temple. So uh, somehow, uh, and of course I have to get into the construction part of it, but somehow... They have these columns. They're two foot square, and they're 15 foot long. And so around 2,000 pound columns, they have to stand up every time they move this this temple. And uh, and they have they I, I got down this rabbit trail, but they have these piece this these silver sockets they fit into. And I, in my mind originally it was it was beams and stuff, but silver makes sense on columns because they had these two tenons that came down that did the bearing, and the silver mashes in the bottom, kind of like grout. So that's the best I could come up with. And they didn't have anything to keep it from blowing over, but it was temporary. So, uh, like, I think I thought about those old barns. I don't know if you've seen those old barns where they people went from timber construction to, to lighter stuff, and they built these barns, and they didn't put anything to stop the wind from blowing it. So over time, the barns just keep doing like that. There was no cross bracing or anything. And all they did was put siding on the sides and then go on, just because just general ignorance of how to build stuff. I mean, because they were transferring, our, you know, in the, I say, late 1800s, early 1900s, we were transferring from big timber stuff to this smaller stuff. But the craziest thing about this this is, our, so the top had these uh, these hides of, what was it, ram skins dyed red. And then on top of that, they had porpoise skins. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out, I mean, maybe catching one porpoise is fine, but how did they... All these years ago, figure out how to catch enough porpoises to cover this whole roof of this building. In the desert, in the desert-ish, yeah. They, uh, but how did they, uh, how did they catch all these porpoises? I don't know. Maybe that's not worth going over. And this is, this is kind of funny, or not funny. It's it's very serious. But uh, they did a lot of things, and they did it for why, so you don't die. And uh, so he t- the people didn't go up and look at God. Why? So you don't die. The sons of Aaron had to put blood on their ears when they walked around. Why? So you don't die. Uh, this, they had to wash a certain way. And I would, I'd be dead for sure. Like, if, if I had to follow all these rules every time I did something, I would not have made it a minute during this time. 
So after they did all this talking, God, <laughs> God made these tablets for him. And uh, this is another topic altogether, but we all know the tablets had the Ten Commandments, but, uh, and, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit trail. I figured out what I think it had, but it, don't, it reads like it might have more than that in some places. It might have this whole law written, laws and ordinances written. I don't know. But uh, I went down that rabbit trail, and I have what I think is an answer, but if you like to do self-study, we know the Ten Commandments was on them, but was there more? That's, a, that's just a neat thing to think on. And so remember what I said earlier. Uh, Moses went up to talk to God, and they could hear him talking to God. And the people got tired of waiting on this. But they could hear Moses talking to God. So you could, you could hear this conversation going on. It wasn't exactly, I mean, it was probably rumbling uh, thunder stuff, but they knew God was talking to Moses up here, and they just got tired of waiting. And made, had Aaron make the calf so they could worship the calf. And uh, so why did they, when they could see God's presence, why did they, why couldn't they, they deal with that? And the, the only thing I can think of is a doctor's appointment. And uh, doctors are great, but they don't know how to keep time. So I show up for a 10 o'clock appointment, and by 10, 12, and they haven't called me back. I'm furious. These people just don't know what they're doing. All right. So now I'm trying to think that I go to this doctor's office, and they're like, okay, we don't have a time for you, but you got to wait here while we write the Bill of, Bill of Rights, the Constitution, a spec book on construction, uh, go over all these rituals, how people to act, put blood on their ears, and washing hands and all that stuff. And uh, so I can't say, I mean, I don't know, I ain't saying I worship a calf, but I'd get pretty impatient waiting on this. I mean, it can't be 10 minutes. Moses is up there and back. It was a while. So that's, that's the only thing I can think of that would get me to uh, understand that. And some of the, uh, I'm going to, read in Exodus 32 uh, starting in verse 9 but uh, it's not going to say it in this one but uh, this is t this is the most confusing book uh, section of the whole Bible to me I don't understand it like even Revelation with all their uh, this you got to figure out that this means this and uh, all that is not to me or to me makes more sense than this this little section and uh uh, I'm going to read it starting in 9 and through through 14. It says, The Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, they were an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone that my anger may burn. And if you've ever read the King James, it's wax hot. And that one's cooler to me because you didn't want God to wax hot. Let my, that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? <clears throat> Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, saying with evil intent, He brought them out to kill them in the mountains and destroy them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and change your mind and doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and all this land of which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm 
which he said he would do to his people. So, I mean, I, th I think I really started thinking about this. I was about 15 or 16. What, how could Moses change God's mind? And I don't have an answer still. It's several years after 16 years old. But I, I don't have an answer still of why. Because God promised to Noah he wouldn't do that again. He had the rainbow. And then he's sitting here. He's fixing to kill everybody, his, his whole people. And makes no sense to me. Uh, maybe Kyle can tell me later why that would be. But uh, it's just very interesting that, that Moses had to talk God out of killing everybody. So what did Moses do? So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're sitting there with your boss and a customer calls and says, hey, uh, y'all mess this up. People didn't even care. And the boss says, okay, we'll take care of it. Don't you worry. It's all nice and sweet to the customer. And then the customer gets off the phone, and then they just go on a rampage. And it's like, well, you got to do this, and you got to do that. So what did Moses, Moses like, no, God, don't, don't kill everybody. It'll, it's, we, look at all this stuff you did. Look at all this stuff you promised. As soon as God goes away, Moses uh, kills 3,000 people. I mean, he, he's kind of like the... Uh, it's, it's kind of like that boss when he when you when you leave and uh, and he's talking to the person that's that that has more say than he does or whatever, and that's in Exodus thirty two twenty five to twenty nine. I'll, I'll read that uh, real quick too. It says, "Now when Moses saw the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies, then Moses stood in their gates of the camp and said, "Whoever is for the Lord, come to me.'" And all the sons of Levi gathered together. To him, He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh and go back and forth from the gate to gate in the camp and kill every man his brother and every man his friend and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Dedicate yourselves today to the Lord, for every man has been against the son, his son and against his brother in order that you may bestow a blessing upon you today. So this kind of changes back, like, people need to straighten out. They just, they saw God, they didn't, they saw God talking to Moses. They didn't care. They did care. I, I don't really know what they did, but they just chose their self, pretty much. And so God replaces the tablets, and uh, he makes this new covenant, and he tells them how they're supposed to conquer everybody but not all at once so he's not going to just drive it out so all the beasts get wild so he's going to let them conquer little by little and they can't marry these people which means that they can't uh, they can't take on these other cultures they have to keep this culture that God put on them and he's he's in the Old Testament he's pretty uh, he's pretty strict about keeping this culture together and then when he gets into the New Testament it's almost like you have to go into the unchristian culture, but come back to the Christian culture, and it's very—it seems more challenging to me to to step out in a culture that's different, and but just back up and ground yourself in the in the Christian culture, and then step back out and ground yourself. And he he just wouldn't wouldn't let them do it back in the older days, and uh, so about this time Moses is back and forth going up, and it, like he started glowing after he talked to God at this time, and sometimes the the smoke and, I mean, the clouds and lightning would turn into fire, and then Moses would come back glowing, and he had to cover his face because it would 
I don't know if it would scare people or what, but he had to cover his face. And uh, this is like a little sidetrack, but the uh, I think it was the Vulgate or one of the old versions had these as horns coming out of Moses' head incorrectly. So you'll see a lot of statues back in back in older times where it's or graven images we'll call them where Moses had uh, horns coming out of his head. But it's they they figured it out later and fixed it where he was glowing every time he had to talk to God. So uh, one year after all this stuff happened, so I don't know how much of that time he spent talking to God, but one year after all this stuff happened, he uh, they finished the tabernacle, and uh, so they they finished it. They if you've been in construction, they they wrote the as builts from the specs. They took the they said what was supposed to happen and changed it to what did happen, and it didn't change any, so you had to read that whole thing over one more time. And uh, so God, what he did then is come down to his people. And I think if I had to find a point in all this is, so God, God came down to his people, and then when he would pull the cloud up, they were supposed to take the temple and move it to somewhere else. And then he'd put the cloud on it, and then it'd be fire at night, and then he would be there with his people. So I think, uh, I'm going to read 40, 34 to 38, Exodus. And this is about all if, if the musicians and stuff want to work their way around. But uh, I, This is the end of Exodus, how it closes out. It said, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journey, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then it did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire by night in the sight of all, of ha- in the, sight of all the house of Israel. So uh, the... the point that I see in this second half of Exodus is God wants to dwell among his people and that kind of incarnated or whatever you want to call it with Jesus where God can be with us so if, if I had to pick a point of all that that's where I would land on it